I don't know about you, but my body parts have names. My hands I call Frick and Frack. My legs are known as Sticks and Bones. My breasts I refer to as Gussie and Gertie. My behind is affectionately known as Waylene. The fact that she isn't doesn't really matter. Then there's Molly. Every woman has a Molly. Sometimes she's called Poomtang. Others may call her Bubbles. When I first heard someone refer to her as a vagina, I had no idea who or what she was talking about. You mean Virginia, don't you? No, my classmate responded emphatically. It's called a vagina. V-A-G-I-N-A. That's the proper name for it. Rather impersonal, don't you think? Then again, many women, particularly black women, have a very impersonal relationship with their M-O-L-L-Y. It's a historical thing. My grandmother, coming from the South and growing up in the church like she did, only knew Molly to be a betrayer. Based on her experiences as a sharecropper's daughter, Molly was someone who could be used against you. Her Molly, no doubt, was a source of sin and shame. Once she even told me that her mother, my great-grandmother, had been raped repeatedly by a group of lumberjacks. So brutal was the attack, my great-granny was unable to walk for weeks. The fact that she eventually went on to have six children was both blessing and curse. She died, Grandma said, at the age of 32 from some dreaded disease down there. She remembered her mother as a soft-spoken, kind-hearted woman who had died too early, leaving six children under the age of ten. To my grandma, Molly was a thief who had robbed her of a mother. In essence, Molly was a problem. My mother never talked to me about sex. She was a proud woman of Caribbean heritage who honestly believed that women were subservient to men Women and their body parts had two main purposes. One, to work hard, and two, to serve and satisfy men. My mother never talked to me about the pleasures or the intricacies of an intimate sexual experience. She never told me that sexual activity was good for my health, nor did she tell me about the beautiful experiences of sexual exploration with self or with others. Don't worry about such things, she said. When you need to know, you'll know. In fact, to women of my mother's generation, expressions of sexuality and the notion of a woman's sexual identity were dirty. What Mama did do was warn me. She warned me never to display Molly publicly. She warned me about all the trouble Molly could get me into if I allowed people to touch her or talk to her. She went so far as to warn me about sitting on men's laps, telling me that I could catch something like pregnancy. That's silly, I thought. Still, I made it a point never to sit on men. Instead, I lay down with them. Molly had a name, but she and I were not actually connected. She was not connected to my hands, my legs, my breasts, or my heart. Somehow, Grandma's stories and Mama's stories had infiltrated my head. There was a slight disconnect between Molly and the rest of my body. Many times, Molly caused me pain and shame. I got caught doing things with Molly that Mama had warned me not to do. 
Many times, Molly made alliances that caused my heart grief. It always seemed that the people she liked didn't like her back. After Molly had fostered the birth of three children, she lost her youthfulness, her playfulness. Her response time was slower. Some of her associates even commented on her size. They couldn't get close to her, they said. She was not as affectionate as they thought she should be. Molly did her best, but I finally realized she had changed. She had matured. She was run down, not feeling good about herself. We had a talk, Molly and I.